Welcome to That's Her Business. I'm your host, Rosie Allen. On this podcast, you'll find conversations with entrepreneurs, corporate ladder climbers, and generally just real women working in business like you. Consider us your work bestie, here to provide some actionable advice on the day-to-day grind. So today we have Rachel Jacoby based out of New York City. She's in the hospitality industry. Rachel has really done everything from people management to regional sales management to her current role, which is trade marketing and e-commerce. So she has a wide range of experience. I'm really, really happy to have her on the podcast today. And today we're going to be talking about some really interesting topics. We're going to go over boundaries in the workplace, burnout, and quiet quitting. So welcome, Rachel. Hey, Rachel. All right. Do you want to talk a little bit about your like career history really quick, like a brief few minutes before we get into some of the topics? Yeah, sure. Um, So I've been in the, let's call it wine and spirits distribution supplier type side of things since 2015, which is when I moved to New York City. Originally, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky area. Previous to that, I was, yeah, I I actually, before um, jumping into this industry was in the law side of things. So I was a paralegal, um, but moved to New York in 2015. I moved to New York and began a career in the beer industry, actually. So I was doing beer distribution, opening new business. It's by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, Harder than spirits? It's, it was tough because it was business development. So oftentimes I was getting doors slammed in my face, actually was made cry a few times, (laughs) Um, but it it really toughened me quickly to New York city, especially coming from the Midwest where everybody's so kind Um, coming into New York where immediately off the bat, it was just like very tough, I guess, career. Um, it, it hardened me really quick. It got me used to rejection, which was super important for me later on. Uh, and in hindsight, very thankful to have had the experience. So I did that job for about a year. And after that, I moved into the sister side of things for the beer company I worked for. So I moved into a company called Blueprint Wine and Spirits, and they sold really craft esoteric uh, type of spirits, which was great because I really loved the portfolio I was representing. Everything in so it was like small quality. brands. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was gotcha. it was either emerging brands or brands that in launching in the New York market had a tough time getting into larger distributors like Southern or mm-hmm. Empire. Um, but everything in the portfolio was very well curated, uh, quality stuff. So the type of customer I was selling to at that time was someone who really cared about what they were serving. So that was like a more educated customer. Mm -hmm. That's how I got into the like, you know, cocktail scene of things Mm -hmm. in New York city before it was beer drinkers. So I had some taverns and, you know, keg lines, much different world, but moving into blueprint was more of well curated cocktail experience. And it was the mixology bars. um, And it was a whole new world of things. So I was poached by the big guys. And after that, (laughs) I moved to Southern Wine and Spirits, where I was a key account manager for Boutique Spirits, which was, again, the esoteric items from Southern Wine and Spirits. Mm -hmm. So on that side of things, I was really representing 
products that the typical sales reps might not know how to really speak to. So something like Enamaro or at the time Mezcal, because yeah. Mezcal was kind of an emerging product at that time. Um, so I was doing a lot of staff trainings. I was helping curate cocktail menus and I was selling kind of the craft stuff that Southern had to offer. Um, I had become a bit tired with the distribution side. So this was mm-hmm. at 2018. So started looking elsewhere and was actually really scared to go vendor side because I heard it was a bit less stable uh, and there were challenges of their own with that side of things. So I found a happy medium. I jumped over to Fever Tree, which was very in line with consumer packaged goods. So I was very used to selling like cases of bottles from my beer days. Mm -hmm. Um, I also was used to the mixology side of things from my spirit days. So it was a very happy medium. And then the super plus plus for me is that it's non-alcoholic. So I don't have to worry about the SLA. (laughs) (laughs) With with that, it's always nice. So I don't have to worry about like, oh, how can we like legally support your uh, charitable party or Mm -hmm. anything that pops up in that realm. So it's just nice to not have that worry looming. Um, And I also love not always having to drink cocktails. So it's nice that if I just want to have a ginger beer or to drink, you know, a soda for the night, that's the option. It's a healthier lifestyle for sure. (laughs) So it it fever tree, I'll jump on this one really quick, but I've done everything. (laughs) So I started out as a New York account manager. So I was, I was working with the customers I was used to working with when I was at Southern. Mm -hmm. Um, I, moved from that into managing a team of sales reps within the city. So I was managing New York City and New Jersey and our distributors. And then I moved into managing grocery chains, which is a whole new world. Yeah, that's so different. And very thankful to have been a part of that. Like I've, I've figured out that is a true passion of mine. I think about retail all the time. Oh, awesome. Like when I'm visiting other countries, I want to go to their grocery stores, <laughs> see what it looks like, what's it about. Um, and then when COVID hit, I actually moved into e-commerce. So hmm. I do trade marketing and e-commerce right now, which is kind of a dual role. Um, but I'm responsible for our business on Amazon, on Instacart. Um, I manage some of our e-com customers such as Reserve Bar. And then on the trade marketing side of things, I help uh, our sales team come up with our yearly strategy, our focus periods, our POS assets, uh, and everything between. So that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I feel like fever tree has really taken off in the, like just the past few years, I'm sure it's been building forever, but like, I feel like it's now officially like definitely a household name, especially in New York. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, you know, it's like a a market that might be ahead of the rest of America, but it, it still strikes me as so odd when you visit more middle America and, people haven't heard of it or everything is still purely on a soda gun or in a plastic bottle. Um, yeah. but what that's are they using middle style. America? Are they <laughs> using like, <laughs> I feel that I honestly don't know. Like, are they using their local brands for soda water or. Depends like, on the region. Canada dry. I feel like that's a Northeastern brand too. I don't for, know. For like a lot of restaurants, you still see a lot of like Schweppes or Canada dry. Okay, yeah. Um, there are, if someone is going premium, it's kind of what they have as an option for them. So it, it's either usually fever tree or Q. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some local brands that have especially lately been popping up. So you're starting to see more traction from them. But at the end of the day, what we view it as is if someone's using 
anything aside from the soda gun, it's a benefit to us all because it means it's, it's moving the way towards quality, which when you visit like Spain or Europe, you don't even see a soda gun. Like it doesn't even exist. (laughs) They're always ahead of the times when it comes to stuff like that though. That Mm -hmm. nice. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you today specifically because I feel like you were really open to talking about some issues that are like kind of hot topics. So I wanted to start with corporate burnout, (laughs) um, which I feel like, I don't know, I define as just like workplace stress, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe like stress that's not successfully managed by companies, but what do you think? What's your like definition of corporate. I, I was thinking about this one earlier. I think for me, if especially because the word corporate is in front of it, I think yeah. I think it's kind of um it's tied to salary to me. So like when I think of just Definitely. burnout, mm-hmm. you can burn out with with any role, but the difference is, or when I think back to early career days, the difference is when I was paid on an hourly structure, I could check out my worries when my shift ended or mm-hmm. when my when my role ended. Once I reached a salary level, which really is when I went into the corporate world, mm-hmm. it becomes harder to manage because you are paid your set rate and it's tough to balance your hours. So, I mean, you could think of it as a simple nine to five, but the world's just not that easy. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you have to finish up a project earlier in the morning or stick around a little later. Uh, especially in our industry, there's a lot of entertainment or late night parties or just things outside of a normal, typical working hour that you just totally. need to plug in. <laughs> so to me, corporate burnout is feeling the need to do excess amounts of work without the defined hours of work. And, and it yes. gets very hazy. I just had a conversation about this. I think our industry is so specific. Um, so I'd be curious to hear too from people that like aren't in the spirits industries or like spirit adjacent, because I feel like we just can't define our hours. Yeah. Um, and that helpful. goes through every single like level of whatever, whatever job you are, if you're like mid-career mm-hmm. early or higher up, um, they just will not define them. So Absolutely. Um, Let's see what else. Yeah. Do you think there's any way to kind of prevent or like a company or manager, like say you have a team and you want to help improve them, you see someone that's burning out. Do you think that it's related to like overworking or can you, because obviously you can't change everyone's salary overnight. It's it's not going to happen. I think, think, um, of course, you should check in. So like um, I gave some feedback to my company actually on this, where I think from a managerial standpoint, what you could do is monitor your employees, of course. Mm-hmm. And what that on a simple side of things looks like is, I mean, just look at the vacation time they're submitting or, or make sure if you gave them floater days or holidays, they're not sending emails during that time or they're not feeling like yeah, I think that's they're responsible super to be working. Important. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it sounds simple, but I don't think most are thinking about doing that. I actually had a moment this year where I took a look at, at my time off and realized I was sitting on 19 days still. Oh my God. You tell. <laughs> and so I, I admittedly am a workaholic and I do, um, I do take time, but this year has been a unique one where I, I noticed and hadn't thought about the fact that I hadn't. 
So that's when the feedback actually was said by me. So I said, hey, I realize I'm sitting on too much time off. Have you ever thought about um, monitoring your employees time off and making sure they maybe it's on a quarterly basis, but check in with them and say like, hey, you've still got this time. Please be sure to use it. Or like, I, I would love for you to not let it go to waste. Um, yeah, totally. So that's just a simple suggestion. Maybe on a more personal note, I think, again, at a managerial level that you should always be checking in with your employees to monitor how they're feeling about their workload. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sometimes uncontrollable, but I think when anyone's overworked that there is a point where they need to hit like a, I can only be a human and do so much. Um, Cause you don't want to see your employee feeling like they need to carry the weight of the world or nor should they. Mm-hmm. Um, so offering support of, is there anything I can take off your plate? Are you feeling okay with the amount of work on your plate? Um, and just having those check-ins. Yeah. I want to go back to a point you just said about like PTO time. I mm-hmm. feel like I've had conversations with managers who say like, it's, it's totally their individual decision if they want to send emails or answer calls while they're on PTO. But I was trying to portray to them like, the atmosphere that that gives off Mm -hmm. to everyone else makes Mm -hmm. them then feel the pressure. So we were kind of having a, a, like a go between of like, well, (laughs) like, how do you find this balance? Cause it technically is an individual decision, but like, especially when leadership does it, you know? Yes. Yeah. It trickles down. I think. I agree with that. I actually, I witnessed that myself and, and I am guilty of being <laughs> to answer emails. Yeah, it's hard. I actually took a vacation about a month ago where I had to talk with myself and was like, you're not doing that. Like, mm-hmm. it, like this is your time. You got to check it out. So I did. What I, what I did do just on a simple level was mark emails on red that didn't need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. But anything that was a task, I completely ignored for the time that I had taken off. But what I realized in that moment, too, is the culture, it's already gone a bit too far because I saw so many, hey, Rachel, I know you're on vacation. Yes. Email. <laughs> I know. And and it frustrated me, you know, you can't control what other people do, but blatantly addressing that, you know, someone's often still sending an email to me. It just like places an unneeded pressure on things. And I think culturally, we've all kind of gotten to this, no matter what company you work at, where the expectation is you just kind of pipe into work when you can, even when you're taking time off. And and I just don't think it's very healthy. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, which kind of leads me into my next point, I guess, which is like wellness and well-being in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I say well-being because I feel like wellness has been like overused. <laughs> I'm like t- kind of just tired of hearing it. I'm like, what does it even mean? Is it healthy eating? Is it taking a bath? Like, I just feel like wellness is like completely diluted at this point. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been trying to say well being. Um, and then I think just like in the workplace, technically, it refers to like programs, policies, and like, um, what was I going to say? Activities of like, supporting employee wellness so Mm -hmm. like discounting mental health or like giving i know my company gives like um unplugged days or personal days that you can essentially take without giving your manager like any notice Mm -hmm. because they expect notice for pto days um 
But yeah, what do you think about like, how does wellness really even fit into a company? I think it it depends the company and, and the capabilities. I know, you know, if you're a sizable company, it might be within your insurance package to offer, you know, paid, let's say, um, what is what is the meditative app called health space oh yeah 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 so I that might make exactly sense through through your packages and and i've seen that in in some employee packages so that's a simple one you could you could add that in offer that to your employees i love the mental health day edition i actually think mm-hmm. that mental health days just as a term has become such a i don't know hot topic in the past let's call it 8 years 10 years where before it didn't even exist. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just these younger generations are more in tune with mental health. So I it's think it true. makes total sense to be offering that. And then what else does it look like? I think, you know, supporting it in any way you can, like I said, with the managerial check-ins or making sure that you're taking time to care about people's well-being or, you know, even as simple as bereavement, if someone loses a parent or has yeah, like a, a major issue offering support, letting them know that they can take what time off that they need. Um, Mm -hmm. It can look a lot of different ways. I know with our company, they have added the addition of, well, this is more, I guess, health of a health wellness, like physical, um, but they reimburse us for our annual like gym memberships up to a certain amount. That's great. Which it's it's a new addition for our company, but I'm starting to see that be implemented Mm -hmm. at other places as well. Um, and then another one, not necessarily related to health, but can affect it. My company has offered a going green reimbursement as well. So what that looks like is uh, reimbursing you for s- sustainable practices. And, and oh, it can cool. look different ways. Like recycling you know? and stuff or? So it, let's say you, if you live in Texas, you own a house and you want to put in a solar roof. Hmm. So there's a certain percent that the company will invest into that. I know there's also reimbursement from, I mean, again, Texas, the state will actually reimburse (laughs) you. Um, So it's just support of going green for the earth, which, you know, makes you feel good, right? Yeah. No, that's Um, really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, what what is health or what is wellness to you? Really, that's what it is. You know, would it be giving every employee a spa day? I would love that. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm always asking for a spa day. I'm like, that's a really good incentive. Can we use a spa day? They're like, no. But I think the best thing is just simply like just caring, you know, just. Yeah. I think the check-ins are huge for me. I I want to know like my management is emotionally in tune with me. It's it's for me rather important um, to be heard because I I have like emotional explosions. I just like. (laughs) (laughs) just need to talk it out sometimes you know (laughs) yeah no I think it's important um and I feel like what leadership does like really affects it so when we're talking about like creating boundaries or PTO and all that stuff like it really matters if they are doing it too and if they're like demonstrating it I think for for everyone else um which leads me into my next point about boundaries so <laughs> this one is, I, I have trouble with this. I think it's really hard. Like how the hell do you create boundaries at work? Oh yourself? man, <laughs> I, I too struggle with this one. Um, and the second I think I'm getting better, I, I notice myself reverting. So I think this, maybe this will be my struggle forever. But as long as I always come around to the realization, I think that's the best I can do for now. Um, so I, I think 
what the best suggestion I've come to lately is, is to make sure that you're scheduling enough personal time for yourself, whether that's your hobbies Mm -hmm. or maybe it's a workout class or whatever it is, so that you can be sure to check out of work and maintain your mental health through whatever it is you you enjoy. Yeah, sometimes I'll find myself sitting at my computer, especially with work from home culture. I'll sit on my computer. I'll look at the time and, and realize I haven't cooked dinner yet, which leads to ordering out, which isn't yeah, the healthy choice, yeah. which leads to staying at the computer longer. <laughs> There's just choices that you can make that either benefit you or do not. And when you're establishing boundaries, the easiest place to start is just shutting your computer or maybe it's ignoring a text. I don't feel like people should be texting you after hours anyways, but maybe it's (laughs) ignoring the text till the next day to make that boundary clear of, I don't answer work texts after 6 PM or whatever your cutoff Mm -hmm. time is. Um, So just being more firm in your clock out time or clock on time, um, being more firm with your time. No, I think that's really, really good advice. I mean, I, I don't know if other people have this flexibility, but like I have two phones or like Mm -hmm. the option to have two phones. I have my personal phone and then the option to have the work phone. And I know some people keep it together as one. So they're carrying around all the time, but I specifically carry around two phones all the time because of that's like how I create boundaries. Like I leave it at home on the weekends. Mm -hmm. I literally don't check it like past eight or 9 PM unless I have an event going on. Um, And then yeah, on PTO, like maybe I'll bring it with me, but I usually will like leave it in the hotel. I actually miss having two phones. I had, I had two when I worked at Southern Um, and you're reminding me because that is a way I was able to kind of separate things. Mm -hmm. And the phone's a tricky one too, because especially with this industry, you find yourself connected on Instagram with so many work people. I I constantly am finding um, folks in the industry that might private message me about work or where to find fever tree or things like that. Just, I mean, it it doesn't necessarily bother me. It just becomes a really blurry line. So Mm -hmm. boundaries are tougher to keep when your work relationships come into your personal life in a way like that, Mm -hmm. uh, where sometimes it's just, it's unavoidable to establish a boundary. Have you ever had to like talk to someone at work specifically who was overstepping a boundary or anything like that? Like, do you have any advice for? I just, I just handled that. <laughs> literally, this tell week. us, tell us what you did. Um, it's a tough one. I think I'm. I would consider myself a pretty emotionally intelligent person, so I, I came at this from an angle of like I understand where where a person might be coming from with their feelings on a topic. Um. So what I handled this week was actually something I'm working on with a coworker where the lines were becoming blurred of their responsibility versus mine. Mm, Um, So that's a good one. (laughs) So, and it's no one's fault because the lines weren't clearly drawn from the start. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was no one's fault to be had. Um, But I knowing how I am, like I said, emotional bomb, (laughs) I chatted with my boss about it first and foremost because I wanted to make sure that I got all my thoughts out with a, a party that wasn't directly in, invested in the project at all. So I chatted out with her how I felt about it and wanted to see if she had suggestions for how I move forward handling it. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a great suggestion, actually, which which she and I are, are so different of beings. I'm so glad I chatted with her. 
Um, she said, it's okay to disagree. Like it's okay for you and this person to maybe not see eye to eye on what this is. And maybe moving forward, you both present the options that you want to present. Mm-hmm. And there was an audience to make the ultimate choice. So I hadn't considered it before because I thought we had to come together to the conclusion to yeah. present to the audience. But I liked her solution a lot better because it is okay to just disagree. Mm-hmm, um, definitely. Sometimes you, like being combative even isn't a bad thing or standing up for what you mm-hmm. believe in isn't a bad thing. So it was very helpful for her to remind me that disagreeing is okay. And that helped me drive the decision of of how to have the conversation um, in a different way than I initially planned. So before I was feeling very like I was walking on eggshells and needed to keep the peace, like we needed to come together. (laughs) And after chatting with her, it was like, a okay, we clearly disagree. And that's fine. So here's how we're going to handle this. And we'll both present what we think. Wow. That's a really good. Like, I like that story mostly because I feel like and I, f- I felt like this for so long, but like teamwork is like drilled into your head. Like okay. I remember being in high school, they were like, we have to work in groups. Everything's in a group. Like, and I, I think there's value in it. It's super important. You have to be able to work with a million different personalities. Um, I mean, I can say like my team is huge and everybody's so different. And so like, if you don't have that practice in teamwork, like you're not going to be successful long-term in my opinion. Agreed. Um, But I think that it's a really good note that sometimes you can disagree or just have like differences of opinion because how I see something might be so different from like your experiences and how you see it. And there's value in that too. Yeah, I know. And I I think like that's the trouble with, I think teamwork too, is all the personalities that get involved. And it's a struggle for me because I'm very, I I think more than the average person invested in my colleagues sometimes in in a way that crosses into like a friendship zone or can become complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, So in instances where you don't agree with someone who is your friend and your colleague, it just gets really dicey. Yeah. No, that's super hard. Um, Okay. I also wanted to ask you about quiet quitting. (laughs) I feel like it's so the hot topic. The hot topic. It's like so trendy of a term. And I love it because people are so emotional about it. Like some people are like, that's stupid. That's the worst idea I've ever heard. Like, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. And then some people are like, yeah, I'm going to start doing that tomorrow. Or like, that's all it says is create boundaries. So I feel like for people out there that don't realize what the definition of quiet quitting is, it's not about quitting your job. It's literally about doing precisely what the job requires. So not working outside your extra hours, um, not necessarily going above and beyond, which is where I feel like that kind of gray area gets into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what is, what's your take? It's kind of, it's, I guess it's kind of what we were chatting about earlier. It's it's a boundary, right? Mm-hmm. And and I don't know if I don't know if it even deserves a term. You know, it's yeah, it, that's it a, is a, it's a boundary. Good. And I know people quiet quit for a multitude of reasons, but from my perspective, I mean, I'm sure from yours too. Just from being in the workforce, you've witnessed 
colleagues or your coworkers getting by with just doing the bare minimum or doing what their job requires for as long as you've been working for a long time yeah that's it. true so like so, it's been around it's not new there's a part of me that that struggles because it's like am i mad at at them or am i mad at myself where it totally. it's, is am i the one am i the fool who's choosing to spend too much of my emotion and time and energy where i'm not directly getting recognized or paid for mm-hmm. my efforts so I think, I think it it's, again, with this younger generation of people, I think it, it slightly started with millennials and it's certainly setting in with Gen Z where folks are just no longer willing to give up their personal time for careers, um, for, for excess work that isn't recognized or it doesn't directly contribute to anything for them. And I think it's a great movement to you know, get back into what's valuable for yourself or to explore your hobbies or um, be more in tune with personal time. Yeah. I think that quiet quitting is like the perfect, like goes hand in hand basically with hustle culture, like Mm -hmm. hustling all the time, trying your hardest, being the best, always, always working, which I know you and I like started our conversation with being like, we're so busy. And like, I love being busy. Like, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like, I would also love to not get burnt out, like care more about my own wellness and Mm -hmm. create boundaries and stuff like that. So yeah, and um, it's not even all necessarily work related to I know a lot of this this topic is is on work, but I've noticed burnout, even in a sense of personal responsibility, where I I feel like, I feel like I get invited to more weddings than I ever have in my life. <laughs> or maybe that's the age I'm I'm at. But you know, sometimes I look at my year and I say, Wow, eight weddings. Do I have to go to all of oh these? Or like, should I go to all of these? And it's all that what is a personal obligation for you or how far do you need to be extending your time? So it, it all contributes whether it's work related or personal. Yeah, it all goes hand in hand. One thing I did want to ask you about was so I have this theory that like Every time I hear the term quiet quitting, I basically like my ears perk up. I'm like, what are they going to say? What it, What is it? And I feel like it's always older generations that are so against it. And I just wanted to know, like, is that what you find too? Because I feel like it fits perfectly into their narrative of like millennials being lazy. I think, I don't know, quiet quitting is such a new concept to me where I could see it coming from either older generations or kind of what I alluded to earlier, like someone who is a hustler and is sour about other people not lifting an equal workload. Yeah, to them. totally. So that's the two angles I I would really see it coming from. Um, I think, I guess the boomer generation is at a realization stage where like their values aren't the same as our values. And it, it's something that they've had to kind of come around to where I think a, another great example is um, that we don't spend multitude of years at one company. And when yes, you look at the a data, <laughs> when you look at the data, it's served us well. It's how we've moved up in our pay and our career status. It's worked out for us. But when you hear a boomer generation talk about it, it's like, oh, no loyalty or just want to yes. move around. But it's for our benefit. 
I know. It's also cultural. I mean, I work for a Japanese company and like you live and die by your company. You do not leave. Like that is part of it. Like once you're in there, that's like your family and you're in there for life, which is so different from like current trends right now and just like trends in the United States, I think in general, like as you were saying. Um, but yeah, I lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's all, that's all the questions I really have for you. I mean, I have some other topics if you want to dive into them, but it's totally up for you. I think other stuff we kind of touched on was like, is totally other topics, but like workplace biases and like career advice. But I want to open up the floor to you if there's like anything you feel like, on the topics we talked about today that you want to touch on or like any final words, basically? Um, no final words for me, actually. I think <laughs> I know we, we had chatted on the topics we discussed. I think I've, I've covered everything. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Very thankful to have been on here. 